Welcome to this special edition of the Change Healthcare Podcast. Today, we're bringing you a live forum with the CEOs of HFMA, the Healthcare Financial Management Association, and AHIP, America's Health Insurance Plans. Today's live forum is about bridging the consumer experience divide, where Matt Isles, the CEO of AHIP, and Joe Pfeiffer, the CEO of HFMA, join Change Healthcare's Bill Krause to discuss how consumer-first collaboration can benefit all healthcare stakeholders. People often focus on the competing business interests of health insurers and providers, but both are striving to achieve the same goals, to make healthcare accessible, affordable, and high quality. And today, payers and providers increasingly agree that these goals can't be achieved without making it easier for consumers to digitally engage with the healthcare system and gain a more informed and active role in their healthcare decisions. We brought these industry leaders together for a live forum to discuss how health insurers and providers can work together to improve the consumer experience and how they can help healthcare consumers and the industry reduce costs, improve outcomes, and accelerate payment. And now, here's our on-demand playback of the live forum with HFMA's Joe Pfeiffer and AHIP's Matt Isles, sharing their insights and ideas for empowering healthcare consumers to help drive healthcare transformation. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome everybody today. We're, we're really happy that you're able to join us. We've got a really exciting agenda planned here to talk about uh, the healthcare consumer experience uh, I'm Bill Krause. I'm Vice President at Change Healthcare. I'm responsible for innovation and new solutions that help our payer and provider customers really address the needs of healthcare consumers. So I'm really excited today to introduce our speakers and our agenda. This is really a unique opportunity to bring together the leaders of America's health insurance plans and healthcare financial management association to discuss really a critically important topic on how providers and plans can work together in different ways that they can each improve the healthcare consumer experience. These organizations represent tens of thousands of industry professionals working every day to help, help our healthcare system operate well. AHIP, of course, is members provide coverage and health-related services to really improve and protect the health and financial security of consumers, families, businesses, communities in the nation, and the HFMA, whose mission is really to lead financial management and healthcare and help its members in this regard across all stakeholders in the industry. So let me let me introduce our speakers today. First, Miles, Matt's the president and CEO of AHIP. He's got a long career in healthcare leadership. He joined AHIP in 2015, leading its policy and regu regulatory affairs team, and then serving as COO before his current appointment as president and CEO. And Joe Pfeiffer, who's president and CEO of HFMA, and prior to assuming his leadership role in 2012, he spent over 11 years as vice president of uh, hospital finance at Spectrum Health, and before that, many years in healthcare and finance leadership position. position. So really a great, uh, great uh, panelists and speakers here today to dig into this important issue. So let me touch a little bit on the agenda and what we're looking to accomplish today. So our discussion topics are broad. We're gonna, we're gonna cover a lot of ground, but it's really important ground and it goes right to the heart of the healthcare consumer experience and how that's evolving really so rapidly, particularly over this last year. 
We're going to touch on consumer effort and the fact that that's tied directly to loyalty and how important that is for our payers and providers. Talk. We're going to talk shopping and accessing care and some of the changes that that are really underway through the shift to digital. Paying for care, highlighting some long-standing issues, issues that the industry has been working on, and get Matt and Joe's perspectives on new ways to help approach challenges that healthcare consumers face there, wrap across digital transformation, and then really end on some telehealth topics that I know are on the minds of our audience before we move to Q&A session. So we're gonna make this interactive. We're going to, we have a few poll questions here that we'll submit to the group and you'll see in the Q&A box how to answer those. And we'll leave this very much an open discussion to get Joe and Matt's perspective on these issues. So before I dig in on the next couple of slides, I'm just gonna tee up a couple of issues around consumer experience and consumer effort, really a backdrop for the discussion we're gonna to have today. So Change Healthcare recently conducted research together with the Harris Poll to really understand consumer effort. And on the next slide, you can see some of the statistics and, and insights that came back from that. The research was designed to focus on finding, accessing, and paying for care, those parts of the consumer experience, and to understand the effort and to take that research and really quantify it in, into an index score, something that our our stakeholders, our customers in the industry could use as a way to understand and further help in their efforts to remove the effort that consumers face in accessing care. A lot of really interesting statistics. I won't read through all of these, but one, a few themes that emerged here. Well, certainly as it relates to finding and accessing care, it seems that consumers are telling us increasingly they're looking to e-commerce and a lot of the digital experiences they have outside healthcare as a measuring stick for healthcare. That will have a lot of implications currently and in the years ahead, so we'll dig into that a bit. On the next slide, you can see here, there's some really startling statistics, as I mentioned too, because the majority of consumers, despite a lot of great effort made by the industry, frankly, a lot of consumers today are still really struggling with their healthcare experience. And as you can see here, over two thirds of, of consumers in, in this research poll indicated they feel every step of the healthcare process is a chore. And that nearly one in two consumers have avoided healthcare because of the process that they need to go through in order to get, get that care. So let's just dig into this a little bit. Matt, really, let me open it up with you first here. From the payer perspective, why do you think the consumer healthcare experience has become so difficult? You know, it's it's a great question, uh, Bill. And, you know, we've been thinking a lot about this. And I think the statistic is very telling that two thirds of consumers, uh, you know, here on the slide believe that that they need to work for healthcare rather than healthcare working for them. Um, right. They, they're saying that this is a chore for them to get. And that, you know, that's not the way that, you know, most of the rest of their life works for them. Um, you know, when they want to do something and you cited some of the you know, digital experience uh, statistics that people feel that, you know, access and convenience um, in the rest of their life has accelerated um, as a result. Uh, you know, it was accelerating pre-COVID. It's you know, been hyper accelerated, you know, post-COVID. Um, and they feel like they need to work too hard, uh, that the information that they need and want isn't as accessible 
Um, there's really not, and I know we'll get into more of the details, there's not enough um, sort of use of tools that are out there. I don't think there's enough consumer awareness around them. And so they feel as if they're sort of, you know, flailing about um, and don't really know where to turn. And so much of what they need to do, you know, causes them to have to take specific actions and, you know, sort of rearrange the rest of their life to make healthcare work for them rather than the other way around. And I think that sort of frustration, you know, is, is really, uh, you know, hitting up almost a tipping point and, and really needs to be addressed about how can we really simplify the healthcare experience for consumers? How can we leverage uh, digital tools and other tools uh, to make it more like the rest of their life? Um, and, and really, how do we make healthcare work on their schedule rather than you know, forcing consumers to you know, work on healthcare schedule. Yeah, no, that makes sense, Matt. And I'm gonna come back to here in a second and ask your perspective on what you think providers can do to help in that regard. But let me flip that over, over to Joe. Joe, hearing Matt talk about those frustrations, what's your take on some of the top factors from a provider perspective that are really driving that frustration and challenge? Well, First of all, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, and this data is very consistent with other data I've seen um, over years in what people want. And you know, it's it's um, Matt's absolutely right. I mean, they wanted it for the last several years, but even more so now in this post, uh, or you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic. And let's face it, people are doing Christmas shopping, they're doing grocery shopping, they're you know, quote, going out to eat all without leaving their homes right now. And so their expectations of us as an industry, I think are only increasing. And so again, I'm not at all surprised by this data. I think it's compelling and I think it's it's accurate. I, it's What's interesting to me though, is if you compare that to the utilization of the price transparency tools that are in existence, um, you almost see a reciprocal set of data. It's very, very low. And sometimes I hear from um, our members, they get exasperated, like, why should I put all this effort into developing these tools when people aren't using it? And quite frankly, I challenge them with, well, maybe they're not using them because they're not very good uh, and they're not good enough and that they're not really meeting the needs of what they want. And, and um, that's a question I think that we need to grapple with in our industry is how can you have data like this that's so compelling about what they want? and you compare it to the utilization data and have to be so different. I, I think some of that, much of that responsibility is on us to meet those consumers' needs, not to just throw out a tool and have them just flurry the flock to it and use it like it's the best thing that we you know, can develop. Yeah, and you do see that coming across in the data. To your point, we'll show a little bit more of that as it relates to price transparency, but that, that need versus what's actually being utilized today is definitely top of mind across the industry and how to bridge that divide. What do you think though, maybe again, in the spirit of shaking it up a little bit, what could what could payers do to help uh, you know bridge that divide a little bit more from the effort standpoint? Well, you know, I have to compliment the payer community because if you look at the industry, payers have been quite frankly, better at developing these tools and by and large than the provider side. Now I have seen movement on the provider side um, health systems, um, you know, paying some attention to this, but uh, the payer community has been better. Um, I still hear examples around the country of a lack of coordination or cooperation, I should say, between the payers and um, 
and a provider community. And so what can payers do is, um, is help the providers. I think both sides of this equation need to have price transparency tools um, and consumer tools because they serve slightly different purposes. Now, HFMA's guidelines suggest that the prime, if you have insurance, the primary source for transparency should be going to the payer. And um, because they're the ones that, uh, you know, they have current data, they know where you sit in terms of your deductible. They have the number of contracts with various providers if they have multiple providers involved in your care. So that's why our guidance suggests going to the payer community, but there is a role for the provider community to play. And so that cooperation between the two um, really needs to take place. And Matt, to that point uh, that Joe made around the role of the payer community, how can, how do you think providers can help support and reinforce that and bring that together? Yeah, I, and I appreciate the, the comments by Joe. I think there's been a lot of investment in the consumer tools. Again, uh, not great uptake necessarily of them, uh, even though um, you know a lot of them have some really impressive you know functionality at this point. But the question is, you know, just because we build it doesn't mean that the consumers are going to come. How do we incentivize and make sure that uh, consumers are going there. And I think, you know, the collaboration between payers and providers and, you know, having providers when people call up um, and whether it's, you know, for something that they can schedule or know in advance, I mean, to, to recommend that patients go to their insurer's website to understand, you know, what it is that it, it might cost, for example. Again, not all services are shoppable, right? We know uh, it's not possible to you know know every single thing that's going to happen within a medical encounter. You know, once you get into a you know a physician's office, certainly when you get into a hospital in a you know an emergency situation, right? Those are not you know when you should probably be looking up uh, you know how much is it going to cost uh, you know for different things in an emergency situation. Just go to the you know go to the ER and you know get what you need done. Um, but I do think by um, you know making sure that that consumers at, at every opportunity and patients get directed to the tool so that they can have a sense uh, about what things cost, about where they are relative to their deductible, as Joe mentioned. Right? And that's why, as, as we've been advocating on you know, price transparency and tools, say that you know, it really should be for shoppable services and it should be personalized to the consumer. It should be based on their own benefit plan, not you know, something that's fictional, that doesn't have any, you know, connection to reality. If you have a, you know, a high deductible health plan, or maybe you have a, you know, an HMO with no deductible, right? You should know what it, you know, what, what it's going to cost, or at least generally directionally, you know, before you get those treatments and services. So I think, you know, making sure that, that we're talking together and also a consistent message to, um, to patients and consumers to, to use the tools that are out there so that they have a, a, a better sense about what it's going to cost them. Well, you know, Bill, I'd like, if I could ahead. add one more thing, I think um, so. Both of our answers are very consistent, and they're they're um, they're describing the current state. Come January one, and I'm, I imagine we're going to talk a little bit about this. There's a requirement on January one for providers to start posting their negotiated rates, and so the, I think there's another responsibility that falls both on the plans and the providers, because I, that's going to be in um, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, not getting into all that, but it's going to be an enlightening experience um, because right now, um, you know, there's some science and some ways to determine what the competitive rates are. But, you know, the reality is that many 
most, I don't know what the, the description would be of the contracts between plans and providers are, are confidential uh, you know, payment rates. And so those are gonna start to be disclosed. And there's gonna, you're gonna, just by definition, you're gonna see on a procedure by procedure basis, you're gonna see wide variation. And you're gonna see market forces starting to drive that effort. If I'm sitting there with a hospital CFO and I compare my negotiated rates with somebody else, um, you know, on a procedure by procedure basis, I'm going to need to go to my health plan and say, I got to restructure this so that I can be competitive with my rates. It doesn't mean going up in total, doesn't mean going down in total, but some kind of a price hydraulic, perhaps, to let those market forces play out. And that that cooperation between plans and providers to try to deal with this new market reality of those rates being uh, published on January 1, I think is, I think we're going to see a flurry of activity in 2021 in this area. We're certainly hearing a lot of that as well from across providers that we work with, Joe. Yeah, you know, it's funny that, you know, the plans are all assuming it's going to be a race to the top. The providers are all assuming it's going to be a race yeah. to the bottom. The reality is it's going to bounce around. I mean, that's what markets do, right? It's going to bounce around, bounce around it until there's going to be become some normalcy, I think which might be what the administration's goal is in this, and not to get into the politics of it, but reality is that the, the industry is gonna need to react to these new transparency requirements. Let's get a uh, pulse check from the audience on this, on this topic. We could go to the next slide here. We've, we've got an audience polling question and you'll see audience coming up and you can uh, start to select your perspective on consumer effort and we'll, we'll have some additional polls here on transparency as well but we'd really love to start to get a poll check from you all we'll give it a just a short moment here and when we get a good enough response we'll share back what you all are telling us and we would like to remind our attendees that this is an interactive session so please select the answer on your screen that you most agree with, and we'll be looking to show those results here in just a second. All right, so based on the question, the collaboration between providers and health insurers to ease consumer, is that improving? I think we're seeing here, you know, mix, right? A good 50% uh, are agreeing with that. That's that's really positive because we know from the consumer perspective that they need information from the provider, from the payer, brought together, made easier. Uh, so 50% agree, about 30% are undecided at this point, and roughly 20% or one in five of you roughly are still are saying you disagree that that's improving. So appreciate that thought. If we could go to the next. Here, we're going to ask another, uh, another polling question uh, in a little bit, but let's get into this topic of shopping for care, because I think it kind of goes right into our discussion around transparency and what does that mean? I know we pointed out of, um, the reality that, you know, at least today, the engagement level that consumers have with shopping tools and those approaches um, is still low by, by most measures. But if you go to the next slide here, just to share a little bit more insight around this, um, consumers are saying they want it. And again, back to that point, how do you bridge that divide? You can see a, a few statistics from our research that were 
first of all, nearly one in two of consumers have avoided care in the past because they weren't sure what the cost would be. Uh, and then at the same time on the right here, consumers are saying they want they want an easy way to compare prices. They want an easy way to access reviews. And of course, we know over the last number of years, there's been more investments on the in digital front doors for provider organizations um, and other things. I'd love to get a little bit of perspective, Matt and Joe, on these numbers. Matt, what do you, what do you think, um, you know, just digging a little bit more, is there anything else that can help consumers get from what they want, which they're telling us here, to what they're actually doing today? Are there any other insights or things across the payer community that's work that's helping to connect the dots in this area? Yeah, I, I think it's um, not just, you know, making sure that the, you know, tools exist to be able to do this. It's it, it, people, there, there's basic information and then there's additional information, you know, when you look at it uh, from a consumer perspective that they want. They want information not just about uh, cost, right? They want information about experience. I don't want to say it's about quality because it's not necessary. I mean, it's a it's an element of the consumer experience. But when you say, you know, I wish there were reviews for medical facilities or maybe for other types of healthcare providers, I think we need to be really careful about um, consumer experience uh, versus um, quantitative quality measures. Um, you know, based on you know empirical evidence. But I think absolutely consumers want additional information beyond just the you know the cost piece think about you know the rest of your life too whether it's for you know and for for big ticket items right let's 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 be honest right healthcare um you know costs a lot and especially when people are you know being asked to you know pay a greater share of it out of their own pocket at different times right that they want to make sure that they're getting not just um you know Good, good experience, but like good value for what they're paying for. And how can we make sure that we're providing that kind of information um, to get consumers what it is that they need? Because a lot of it doesn't exist right now. It's it's very sort of crude in terms of cost information, but not that next level down that you see again when you uh, sort of hearken to other uh, industries, whether it be right travel. Uh, you know, Amazon, uh, you know, which is obviously much broader, other areas where you get, you know, sort of customer reviews um, that you're able to, to sort of uh, make an association between what kind of quality and what kind of experience are you, are you receiving? Well, and it's about you know, responding that customer demand and to your point in those other industries, personalizing the information like we talked about before, making it very relevant to that individual and then providing it to them, the channel of choice or at the contextual point where it matters to them. I, just in terms of the, you know, the role of the payer and, you know, you see statistics where healthcare consumer journeys are beginning in Google and other areas. How does the payer, make, how do payers make that information even more contextually relevant when consumers need it? How do they get that mind share? Yeah, I mean, I think it really is making sure it is that kind of real-time information that they can, you know, have at their fingertips, whether it's when they're at their, you know, home computer and being able to, you know, sort of shop there or whether it's on their phone um, when they realize either something's wrong, they need to, you know, see, seek some kind of treatment. Um, I think it, it's really making sure that in real-time people can have access to that information to enable them to make informed decisions, 
right? And and also, I think it's providing the additional support, the wraparound services. You know, it can't be an online tool. You have to be able to ask a question, right? Whether it's an online chat feature or being able to, you know, call a, and talk to a human being. Uh, people need that that extra um, really care uh, and uh, and extra services to be able to make that to enable them to make the right decision. I, I think a lot of people often feel um, paralyzed if they don't have at least a little bit of an extra guidance um, in terms of how they digest all the information. So I think some of the wraparound services are also very important. And I know a lot of our members are you know, investing in those as well through you know call centers, uh, the chat function and re being able to provide again information in, in real time to people. Thank you. Joe, let me get your thoughts on this. Shopping is, is maybe a new paradigm more or less for how to think about healthcare, but what's the role of provider organizations to help consumers shop for care? How do you think about that? Well, it's a different mindset. I mean, that's the reality and, and we're not used to it. We're not, a, I mean, a, the provider community has largely been a, um, you know, a B2B environment. And I don't think we've yet learned really how to be a B2C uh, player. And um, we're learning, uh, but I think we have a long way to go. Now, we're not alone in this. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had, a, I, in my family, we had a, um, a mobile phone issue, and I'm not going to name the provider, but um, it took me uh, over a week, and I won't tell you how much time I tried to get a human being on the phone to help me, and it was an awful experience. And it, all I could think about is this is exactly what people feel like when they're trying to work with health systems, when they feel like they're getting a runaround. And they now health systems, you can get to a human being more frequently than you could in this, you know, in this uh, mobile phone environment. But it, it was the same feeling. So we're not alone, but that doesn't give us an excuse. And um, so I think not to oversimplify it, but I just wish that 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 our industry would do more of really honestly putting ourselves in the in the uh, in the place of a consumer and really understanding that process. I challenge our members all the time to to do a walkthrough. If you've been fortunate enough where you haven't had to access your you know healthcare, then then do a walkthrough, an honest walkthrough. Don't send your staff out and doing it, but you yourself experience the process. And I tell them, I bet you're going to walk away appalled at what it feels like. And uh, I think we need to do more of that. And that's that. That's what retail organizations do because they're in they're playing in this B2C place, and we're still learning how to do that. And so it sounds awfully critical, um, and perhaps it is. It's more of a challenge to say you need to get out and really experience and understand what it feels like to be a consumer navigating through this process. Yeah, and, and I think I just add to Joe's point there, which is a great one, is uh, the language of healthcare is full of uh, so many you know, complicated terms, jargon, or, or just language that normal human beings don't understand, <laughs> that it makes it incredibly challenging, right? I mean, it, when you think about the types of, and, and some of this is, you know, the, the um, you know, the fault of the, you know, payers and providers themselves. Some of it has to do with really these Byzantine regulations that have required communications be delivered in certain formats that are useful uh, for consumers, right? And so while we want to protect consumers and make sure they're getting the information, we've also 
uh, in some capacities, really hamstrung the ability of, of payers and providers and others to provide, you know, clear information. Now, you can always add additional, say, you know, cover information when you provide the required information. But, you know, when you get to some of the, again, the required communications um, and how it's structured and formatted, I mean, it's not ways that most human beings think <laughs> and it's process information. Yeah, funny, not funny, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And but it provides that extra hurdle there that the industry needs to address uh, to overcome, I should say, to that point. But you know what? I mean, there there are other complicated industries. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about buying a car. Right. You know, a car is a, an incredibly complex piece of machinery. I figure out when I buy a car, I'm trying to figure out what do I need to know and what do I don't need. Don't I need to know? Um, and yet it's really a simple process. Now, again, I use that as an example all the time, and sometimes I get criticized, like, eh, it's different. It's not that different. I, the, the, the issue is that I think we owe it to consumers in this industry to simplify something that is very complex. I, I think that is our responsibility, is to make it understandable for our consumers. Let's talk a little bit about uh, access and care and to get your thoughts on some of the barriers and, and um, areas of opportunity. If you'd move ahead in the, in the slides here, we'll share a little bit of research around that next stage of accessing care. Um, and again, this is just, we'll, we'll make this information available to the audience, so you don't need to read all of this, but it's providing some of the responses back from consumers when polled uh, this year. And saying things like, you know, there's two themes to this. The first is really around access and consumers are wanting more time and they're wanting uh, to be understood more in, uh, by their provider and engaging with their provider around the treatment and discussions. Uh, and then there's the other side of what they're telling us around barriers to access, which is filling out paper, unnecessary paperwork, at least from the perspective of the consumer. So right back to the points we were just making around you know, perhaps some of the regulatory requirements in our industry, but other things where consumers are saying there's additional steps they feel like they have to go through every time they see, you know, a doctor and, and these things are causing frustrations. Joe, why do you think patients are, maybe on that first point, as it relates to expressing dissatisfaction with their provider experience itself, what, any other, any thoughts on what you think is driving some of that, um, you know, the, those perspective by consumers. How about truth? Because it is. <laughs> it's difficult to navigate in most cases. And I think we just, I think we need to have that, that, um, that frank realization um, and um, self-awareness as an industry that it's, that we've, we have made it very difficult to navigate. And I go back to walking through the processes as if you were a patient. Um, uh, and I think you would see that it is complex for people to navigate. So the reason they're saying it's difficult is because it is difficult. You know, and part of that, Joe and, and Matt, is, you know, at least when, it, when a consumer needs to see multiple providers, and we had some research talking about that they feel like they're the general contractor for their care, and, the, and they are taking the role to connect the dots bring their information from provider to provider, close gaps, make sure that they have the follow through that they need. Um, you know, Matt, what are your thoughts on that sort of connective tissue and that general contractor, 
theme that consumers are saying. Is there anything that payers can do to alleviate some of that burden? Yeah, and it's it's a role that more and more health insurance providers, you know, are playing and want to play is to really help provide that connectivity across a spectrum of providers, um, so that individuals understand what kind of coordination needs to happen and really. Uh, you know, playing a different role than they did in the past where they were just, you know, paying claims, right? But this is really about how do you help an individual navigate their healthcare journey and experience. And health insurance, you know, companies, they sit on a lot of information and they do have an ability to really help individuals, you know, navigate these. And there's been great investments, I think, across the industry in this type of care coordination efforts because we realize that when you do have a, a, a central point of contact and a way to really connect people that you get a better outcome, a better health outcome for the individual, um, right? There's higher patient consumer uh, satisfaction and also often there's there's lower costs involved, right? Because you're, you're able to close those gaps. So that's an area where I would anticipate uh, to see, you know, greater investments by health insurers um, you know, over the coming years, again, recognizing that um, if you fail to close those gaps, right, all it takes is someone going to uh, the emergency room with a very serious condition. And, you know, all of a sudden, not only are you uh, this, you know, consumer patient is, has a, you know, healthy, you know, event, you know, potentially a, a very damaging health event that they have to experience, but the cost of, of fixing those for individuals is so high, and I think that's why you know a greater uh, investment in preventive care and care coordination and, and other things will be uh, something that we see uh, continue over the coming years. Let me ask that. Thank you, Matt. Let me take that over to Joe here a second and get your thoughts, Joe. As, as you think about that role of navigation and, and helping consumers through healthcare, you hear from, and, and certainly this has been a focus area of payer-provider collaboration around value-based care, but at the same time, we also see many health system strategies to support a much more broader aspect of the, of the healthcare needs of their, of their consumers. So where does it stop from the payer side? Where does it start from the provider side in terms of playing that navigation role? Is that, I mean, any thoughts on how to make that work well? Well, you know, again, not to oversimplify, but I think it comes down to that collaboration between the provider community and the health plan. And and because every community is going to be a little bit different. And and there might even be a different role for navigators, uh, to use that term, um, even between, um, you know, a provider and different health plans or a health plan and different providers. I think that just needs to be worked out. Um, you know, both sides many times articulate wanting to play that navigation role, um, but um, I think that so then getting together and, and working that out between themselves. Like if I'm sitting as a CFO of a you know a multi-dimensional health system, I would want to connect with my health plans and say let's let's just do this once for our our consumers and not both be stumbling over the same thing. So again, but I don't think there's one model that has to be in place. I think it just needs to be something that's worked out between the provider community and the health plans. That's where that relationship is important. And in those communities where the relationship is bad between the plans and the providers without assigning blame, it's just a bad relationship. 
that's a really difficult thing. And you know who gets caught in the middle in those bad relationships is often the consumer. It's the consumer. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the paying for care side of that of the consumer journey. That's certainly been an area of focus going back a number of years. I know HFMA has put out a lot of thought leadership and guidance to the industry around the consumer-centric models and support care consumer financial experience. If we could move ahead in the slide deck, uh, let's just dig into a little bit of the research there and then um, share some perspectives from Matt and Joe in this area. So I think uh, we all recognize that paying for care has been an area of challenge and need for the industry going um, for a variety of reasons and consumers continue to reflect that reality to a, back to us certainly as we discuss from a transparency and understanding of what their financial responsibility is and in a way to plan for that and then as well as from a post-service standpoint of being able to understand their medical bills and reconciling those with their insurance benefits and and also just having the discussions with their providers around um, you know what they owe and, and getting into uncomfortable conversations in that regard so it's certainly an area of a lot of you know a lot of um, opportunity for improvement we should say so you know Joe just to stick with you here from the provider perspective what are um, you know what are some of the the things you're seeing sort of on the cutting edge or areas that are really you see you would highlight are making a big impact in this long needed area of improvement. Well, the biggest impact, quite frankly, is having the attitude of of wanting to, um, you know, uh, address these consumer issues. You know, the data on the slide is really interesting, and it and it depicts how big of a ship we have to turn. Um, so, just look at the three of them. You know, two thirds say I often don't know how much a medical treatment costs until months after the fact. I will just say I think that's inexcusable. I, I just do. I, I, you know, it was. Um, one of the reasons I wrote a call to action article in our uh, journal at the beginning of this year was these are the same issues I was dealing with, you know, 15 years ago when I was a CFO um, in Michigan, and um, yet we still haven't solved it. So that's an issue. But the other one, the other two, you know, my medical bill feels more complex than a mortgage payment. It's because it is. <laughs> and so we have to deal with that complexity. And then the third one, you know, half of people are uncomfortable asking my provider for details and what I owe. That tells me that there's a consumer element to this as well. And we, you know, we as an industry, we don't, I marvel at the people in our industry and in delivering difficult news to patients, right? I mean, we do it all the time. Um, you know, my daughter's a PA and I hear firsthand stories of just gut-wrenching family discussions about the health of her patients. And so we need to help um, our patients with this one. If they're, if half the people are uncomfortable asking about it, we have to figure out how to have those difficult conversations. Oh, by the way, you're going to owe $5,000 because that's what your deductible is. And don't shoot the messenger, um, but this is the health plan that you have or whatever that story is. Um, so if you look at all three of these pieces of data, it's a great slide because it tells a huge story of the of the magnitude of the change that we need to make in our industry. And Matt, and Matt when you look at, at these stats too, and you know, also other research shows us that consumers are looking to their plan as well to as it relates to their financial responsibility and managing their 
their medical bills. And, and some plans are now taking on the role of helping their members make their payments for their bills through their member portal and other ways that they're, they're taking a, a role that's outside of what has traditionally been what the plan has provided to their members. How do you see that evolving? And uh, you know, on any thoughts to the audience on some best practices around that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's something that we're going to see continue and expand, right? I think just given the uh, complexity, you know, that that is highlighted on the slide and that Joe was articulating too, right? I mean, it, it is incredibly challenging, and any way that a health plan can help facilitate uh, and make it uh, easier for one of their members to work with their providers, I mean, I think it, it's it it's good for everyone in that way. Um, and while, uh, you know, it's not a traditional role, I think it just it's recognizing the reality that that things are changing. Um, you know, most of the, the tools that are available now, you know, do address a lot, at least, um, you know, sort of uh, the, the first piece, which is how much things will cost before you go. If, if people use them, I know, you know, if I go on you know our plans website, I can know, you know, how much it's going to cost for a typical you know primary care visit. How much is it going to cost if I, you know, did something to my knee and I need an MRI at a facility versus going into a hospital? I mean, a whole host of other things and where I am, you know, relative to my deductible, what's my responsibility going to be? Um, again, we need to get better utilization of those tools uh, so that people, uh, you know, can get that kind of information. You know, the biggest challenge here is is really around the stigma and the, the um, uncomfortable conversations about, uh, money and healthcare, right? I mean, that I think really is my my biggest takeaway around this is that people don't even want to acknowledge that you know healthcare that there's a cost to it. But how can we have you know sort of productive, meaningful conversations um, about that? Um, you know, it's uh, you know in many ways uh, you know one of the stigmas that we truly do need to address in healthcare uh, to make sure that that people um, are are able to get the care that they need and 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 will ask the right questions uh, too. I think it, that's that's a very important element. Um, I, I think that there, there will be a continued role and a bigger role for health insurance plans, you know, going forward with in all of this. You know what, Matt, what's interesting about that statement is we're so often afraid to have that difficult conversation up front, but you can't avoid it ultimately. Because eventually a bill gets sent and eventually there's a conversation. And unfortunately, it's way after the fact. And if you think about, you know, is that any way to treat, um, you know, a consumer, you know, a a consumer centric organization would would not want to do that. And so um, you're right. We do want to avoid that um, because it is uncomfortable to blend uh, finance and health. But the other outcome, if you don't, is how many people then don't do what they're supposed to do, whether it's right. getting a drug or getting a subsequent treatment or whatever it is. They don't access the care. It's because it's a lack of conversation about, you know, the financial part of it. So you can put it off, but you can't avoid it entirely. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll have those conversations, right? If you think about, I mean, and I know it's not, anal- it's not perfectly analogous, but when you take your car in to be serviced, right? <laughs> Yeah, you get the estimate of you know whether it's a you know a scheduled service or whether it's you know some kind of other repair because something's happened, right? You 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 have that conversation about it. You want to know what's it going to cost you, but certainly uh, you know when we get to healthcare, we, we don't want to have those conversations. Yeah. 
Well, maybe on that analogy, Matt, and you know, in some of those scheduled services where you know the price up front, you can pay for it up front. If you think about the part of healthcare that is more shoppable, that is more retail, how far do you both see those models extending to pre-service, transactable, purchasing, true uh, you know, settlement of patient responsibility prior to the service in that retail model? How far do you see the industry pushing in that direction? Well, I, I don't, um, I guess, I, I think it's going to move in that direction. I don't know that we're going to see prepayment, uh, you know, because where else do you see prepayment for, now is it simultaneous payment? Um, just like it is in any other good or service that we buy, I think that's a reasonable thing to ask. If I'm just sitting here as a pure consumer, somebody asked me to pay for something that I'm not going to get for a week or two, I'll say, I'll pay you when I get it. So I think we would do well to make it being payment at the time of service being rendered. Um, and if that's understandable, as long as I know going into it that I'm going to have to pay when that service is, is rendered, I, I would be okay with that as a consumer. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you. I don't know that we'll go all the way to prepayment. Um, there's some very limited examples in healthcare where um, they want to make sure that you have adequate resources before, you know, the certain procedures will write transplantation, for example. Uh, yeah. Some, you know, people need to be able to, you know, verify that they'll be able to, you know, afford the very expensive medications or other things uh, before they will do a trend. Now, that's obviously an extreme example. Um, I don't think that we'll, uh, we'll necessarily go down, you know, that model. But I, I do think that it is reasonable to try and get, um, you know, more real-time transactions uh, completed. Now, there's a lot of operational uh, complexity behind that, that I think, you know, this administration, and I suspect the next administration will, you know, try to um, continue to evolve through things like, you know, truly interoperable electronic medical records um, that are able to, you know, transmit information in real time to know both from the provider side and from the payer side, you know, what's covered under an individual's benefit plan. How much is, uh, you know, a specific prescription drug going to cost? Is it covered under, like, and, and we're moving in that direction. Um, and certainly the, the rules that have been put in place around both price transparency, uh, we have, you know, issues with, with certain elements of them. I mean, we completely agree that, that consumers should be able to you know, have real-time actionable information at their fingertips for shoppable services, um, right? And and so with, when you marry, you know, some of these elements, you can envision a future where this can happen. We also know how complicated healthcare is and the systems and what this, you know, what this really means to get them to be able to talk in, in real time together. Uh, but it's, well, we're headed in that direction. Uh, again, not as fast as I think some consumers and, and would like, uh, and many, many of us would like, but it, it is, you know, it, it is happening. Let's get a poll. Uh, we have a couple of poll questions here to hear from the audience on this if we move forward. So the first one's going to be on price transparency. So certainly one of the big topics for us today, we covered uh, from a regulation standpoint, the question is, how are you, how are you prepared for upcoming, are you prepared for upcoming uh, price transparency regulations, if you just select one of those for us. And again, we're looking for certainly both um, 
plan and provider perspective with the various transparency regulations over the next few years. So appreciate your answering that and we'll take a look at the response. So, okay, about about 60% of the audience is saying they're not prepared for the transparency regulation, about 40% are. Joe, Matt, any surprises with that? No. I think it would be, I'm not very surprised, but I think it would be interesting to know how many are on the provider side and how many are on the payer side, uh, right? That's their, given the timing, uh, the you know price transparency regulations that Joe mentioned on the you know hospital side you know take effect you know January one the price transparency regulations on the insurer side we have a little bit more so we have a, another year before um, the the effective date uh, of that is so um, but I'm not surprised uh, by the data yeah I'm not either I, you know we see our members are um, many of them are scrambling to get ready um, um, you know we have. A number of webinars and and you know various co content in various forms that people are accessing you know rapidly to be able to get ready and lots of questions in our community groups um, so I'm not surprised at the answer it would it would be interesting to see the breakdown between the two but even if that was just provider side I'm not sure that I would be all that surprised mm -hmm. we have another question here as well for the audience So the question is, we view price transparency as a, and then go ahead and select what you, um, you know, what your perspective is on that. All right, so if you just wrap up, we'll take a look at what, what you're telling us. All right, so uh, pretty even mix here. About half the audience is saying all of the above, and then the other uh, side of the audience is split between a regulatory burden and a competitive advantage. Again, any um, quick reactions to that? I, I, I think it's interesting that, that uh, right, that, the, the threat to the bottom line isn't the, it's clear that it's it, it's multiple <laughs> pieces. Yeah. It's competitive advantage or a threat to the bottom line and a regulatory burden. That, that's an interesting uh, chart. Yeah, I, I, I'm, um, it probably is all the above. I, I think that uh, I would have, I would have thought I would have seen more answers on that threat to the bottom line because one of the pieces of feedback that we've gotten through the various mechanisms that we haven't done formal polling, but just in conversations that we've had with the content that we've been delivering is that one of the fears is that there is a, a fear of a race to the bottom in terms of uh, pricing. So again, I, I find that interesting because it's just the opposite with the health plans, but um, but I, I would have thought that would have contributed to the answer here. Actually, I, there's one part of that I'm actually encouraged about is that I thought there would be hardly anybody that would answer with it being a competitive advantage. And to me, that says, well, I think, you know, I've been challenging our industry and I think we have a long way to go. I'm encouraged that we even had that many people, like if I remember the numbers right, 71 at least include a competitive advantage in part of their answer, if not their only answer. And uh, because I think it can be, I think. The, the, the health systems and the health plans that really simplify this and make it easier for consumers to use, I think over the long haul will be at a competitive advantage. It won't be their only competitive advantage, but it'll be a significant one. 
Well, and to your earlier points, it's, it's also about not just the price, but some of the other factors that drive decision making and positioning. So those become really important and those are great aspects for providers in particular to go put out and really make make it easy. If, you, if it's easy to access your care, you're going to draw people to your doors. I really believe that. So we, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the clock and I want to leave some time for questions here. We have a couple other topics that we want to just do a quick spin on. And, and I think the way I'll do this is that to our digital transformation and telehealth. Let me just tee up one question for you on digital transformation from the standpoint of disruptions to the industry. And I think, you know, certainly the industry's talked a lot about Amazon over a number of years, but we see things heating up with Amazon Pharmacy and what's happening there. Certainly Walmart's doing a lot of interesting things, and maybe those are pointed to too often, but what do you think from a, a digital disruption standpoint sticks out to plans and sticks out to providers? I, I think this is a this is a part of our world that's going to get rocked in the next five years. Uh, there's so much money going into um, investments, and it's not just the big box players. And you know, again, I think the Amazon Pharmacy is a good one. But it's, there's all kinds of smaller um, organizations that are invested. There's billions of dollars that are being invested in here. And I think this is part, I think our, our if people are not aware of what's going on, their world is going to get rocked in this, in this time. Yeah, I, I would agree. All of the, the, the money that's being invested there, whether it be by non-traditional players who are in the tech space through private equity uh, investments uh, who think that they can you know, come in and be disruptive. Um, I, I couldn't agree more that this is really going to change them. Plus, some of the the rules uh, that have been implemented in terms of you know all of the price transparency. I mean, essentially, you know, the administration is giving sort of uh, you know sort of free free uh, license to you know uh, app developers and APIs to you know take all of this information and try and you know change it. And you know that's you know we don't have an issue with trying to you know provide better information, but we want to make sure that, that those companies are held to the same standards that, um, you know, Joe's members are and our members are, right, which is, you know, having to follow, you know, all of the HIPAA, patient privacy, other other issues, and, and really making clear what the rules of the road are um, in there. But I'm, I'm not surprised by this. I think it is going to be a, a, an interesting, you know, next couple of years. Well, and, and one of the factors certainly has been telehealth and the absolute explosion of telehealth throughout uh, the COVID pandemic. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Matt, in terms of the health plan's perspectives on uh, where you think telehealth is going to go and what's the role of, of health plans to, you know, to support that or how do you, how do they think, how do your yeah. members I mean, I think that's an area where there is absolutely no going back. Um, the way things were. I mean, it, the explosion uh, in telehealth services across all different types of providers, even ones where you might not traditionally have expected it, right? Just do out of sheer necessity because of the pandemic. Um, you know, the increase in percentages that we've seen as a result of um, of the of uh, what's happening out there. I mean, we put out an infographic a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's it, it's increased thousands of percent. Right. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't um, what's it's beyond a hockey stick inflection. <laughs> it really is sort of a wave and 
I mean, there will it will be interesting to think about what is the equilibrium, uh, you know, to uh, sort of pull from one of uh, you know the market equilibrium uh, that Joe was talking about when uh, when we get past the pandemic, and you know, is it you know 30 percent, 40 percent, 10 percent? Right? What's the right now? I, I mean, I think it's going to stay elevated certainly, you know, for the foreseeable future and until the you know vaccine is you know. Uh, uh, across the population at adequate levels, but I, I don't see any any way it, it goes back to sort of pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, I completely agree. And if we had more time, I have my own experience in the last few weeks of accessing at eight o'clock at night for a, a skin infection on my elbow. And I won't go into the details, but it ended up being a, a wonderful experience. Uh, and I, you know, to, again, it's probably one of Matt's members. I started through our health plan. and. Um, it was great, and I, if that gets taken away from me, I would be one unhappy consumer. So, so Joe, how much does telemedicine do you think factor into the the front door strategy for uh, for provider organizations going forward? Well, you know, again, it's this. There's so much of this is about attitude, right? So, if you if you're a provider that thinks that um, this is just going to be a reduction in our net revenue. And so you fight it. I think you're gonna you're gonna be on the wrong end of the on the deal. I think if you're a provider that sees this as a good a good front door and creates a workflow that makes this um, uh, this environment um, you know financially feasible, uh, whatever that means, um, probably with physician extenders and everything else, um, I think it's a terrific front door. So. I, I think it's part of it is attitude. Are we going to embrace the future or are we going to fight it? And I think we need to embrace it. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's just been, let's, we've left a little bit of time here for a few questions from the audience. But before we get into those questions, I, I do want um, to mention that we've got a couple of really interesting events and also resources coming up here. Um, first of all, AHIP's got their upcoming Consumer Experience and Digital Health Forum. Would you like to say a, a few thoughts about about that for the audience? Great. Now it's a, a terrific event. Um, we have a remarkable panelists from across both uh, the industry that operate within uh, healthcare and outside of healthcare, and, and some of the disruptors that I think that you know we've been talking about. Um, and so, very much uh, you know, would recommend people being able to tune in. And you can uh, you know once you register, you can you can access it. Uh, for a, a long period of time uh, after the conference, so you don't have to sort of digest it all at once. But hope hope people can participate. Thank you. And and Joe, I know that HFMA has put out a number of wonderful resources around patient experience and improving many different aspects. Do you, be great if you could just say a few words about what's available for for members through the work that your organization has done. Yeah, I, I might start with uh, on the right hand side of this is consumerism maturity model. It's just a really simple uh, set of questions that organizations can go through and just do their own self-assessment of where they sit in terms of, again, on consumerism. And that will then direct them to all the different resources that we have. And I got to tell you, I mean, we've been we've been talking about consumerism. Our first consumerism report was in 2006. And it's been a steady stream ever since. And so I mean, you couldn't have, um, you know, I don't know how many slides you'd need to really articulate all the, uh, or demonstrate all the resources that we have. I would start with the maturity model and then it drive you to the different resources that we have. Thank you. 
So I think, you know, I know we're just a, a minute over, but we have time for one question. And the question from the audience is, based on what you understand about the uh, Biden administration and their health care priorities, the incoming Biden administration, how do you think those priorities are going to affect health insurance? Matt, this is a question for you. Oh, great. Uh, it's, it's certainly the question of the day right now as we think about a, a new administration and who might be uh, the next HHS secretary or CMS administrator. You know, when we look at the Biden uh, administration's agenda, really it starts with COVID, uh, right? It, that's priority number one, two, and three. And tied to that is economic relief. And then when you get past that, it's around protecting and extending the ACA, uh, especially if, uh, depending on what the outcome of the Supreme Court uh, uh, is, how can they uh, also sort of expand and, and probably reverse some of the Medicaid-related policies uh, that the last administration had put in place. A focus on prescription drug prices uh, is also going to be uh, top of the agenda. And finally, and this is probably one where we all need to think a little bit differently, is how can we really address health disparities in a fundamentally different way? I mean, the, the COVID virus has uh, clearly highlighted the disproportionate impact on communities of color and other populations um, and it's something that we need to address and, and it's going to be a big priority. And so those are areas where we will all, uh, as at least as health insurers, be you know, very focused. Um, some could have very potentially big impacts depending upon uh, you know, what happens in the Georgia elections and, and whether or not some uh, other items might get on the agenda, such like uh, you know, a public option or, or Medicaid, I'm sorry, uh, buying into Medicare at an earlier age. So. Uh, it's going to be uh, a, another uh, crazy year, you know, especially as we work through COVID and get the vaccines out to everyone and see what happens with uh, the new administration. Thank you for that answer. And, and I want to thank you both, Joe and Matt, for the time today, all the, the thoughts and advice shared with the audience on healthcare consumerism. I've learned a lot. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate the chance to uh, engage you both on this topic. And, Thank you to the audience for joining us today, and hopefully you'll take away from this a number of things that you can bring back to your organizations. So with that, I think we'll sign off. And again, everybody have a great day, and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.